RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to another edition of Rush the Field College Football Podcast alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and Chris, there's so much going on in college football and as it relates to the NFL because we're still kind of fresh from the NFL draft and people are still reacting to the college players that they saw be drafted while also projecting towards the future. And also we talked about this last week with the undrafted free agents. I would think that it's still going to go on for the next week or so too after the NFL draft, because there's still so much to digest from what football fans saw. Uh, there's no question about it that that everybody is at this stage still trying to decide what they saw, what they thought, what they think. And I think the storyline stays kind of as it is until there's a next storyline. Let's just call it like it is. I mean, there's slow news cycles, relatively speaking, yeah. <laughs> to the rest of the year. So people are going to focus on the most recent thing and just kind of hammer on that. And then something else is going to come out. And, and as the stories advance, meaning – as we get closer to camps and things, it'll start to change the narrative. Well, let's get to what's trending now, Chris, and some of the headlines that we see around the world of college football. And as it relates to the draft, Duke extends David Cutcliffe, gets a new contract, the head coach at Duke, and everyone knows Daniel Jones, the former Duke quarterback, was taken sixth overall by the Giants. How much of David Cutcliffe's stock went up as a result of Daniel Jones being drafted six, but also, and I'll throw this out there, the not just, I mean, people that know David Cutcliffe and obviously his employers at Duke, they know this about him, but in the public eye and the public perception, I think his background and his relationship to both Manning brothers from his time at Tennessee and his time at Ole Miss was publicized more so over the past couple of weeks surrounding the Daniel Jones draft talk than I think ever before. And perhaps that might have led to a boost in David Cutcliffe's, maybe not stock as a as a coach in the college collegiate level, but definitely his Q rating. Perhaps I think there's definitely th- that is the case, and and I know that that Duke has been this has been in the works for a while. In fact, this is this offer has been long before. I mean, this was during the season and whatnot. So this is just kind of cleaning up details. Uh, they know what they have in Duke. In they, they, uh, Duke knows what they have in David, rather, in that. He is a guy that is really good at developing players and developing smart players. He's not an elite recruiter, but he gets a lot out of his players. So I think they see it as a really good fit. And so it makes all the sense. Now, I, I think that the, the, the where he really began to make his name and notoriety was the fact that he was Peyton's offense coordinator at Tennessee and then Eli's head coach and quarterback coach and, and coordinator at, at Ole Miss. So that's always been there. Now, as you mentioned, though, there there is a cycle where, you know, okay, people know that, but then they don't think necessarily David Cutcliffe every time you think Eli and Peyton. Uh-huh. But then when Daniel Jones comes along, they say, yeah, you know the guy that coached him. Also co-. <laughs> and then so I do think that in terms of public perception, probably the cage, but I can tell you that the timing's purely coincidental because this has just been in the, the works and football people 
have always known David Cutcliffe to be really good. In mm-hmm. fact, Cut has been a guy that, just a quick note, he was a young assistant under Bear Bryant at, at Alabama. He goes back a long ways. In fact, spend time with Dave as I have. He still has a big binder, and, and we laugh because I have a lot of those two things, a lot of those <laughs> things too. Whereas he has those big, you know, loose leaf binders before you put everything in computers. I still got those today, and, and we were laughing because we were sharing it one time to visit. He still showed me some notes from staff meetings when when using Bear Bryant because I, I was showing him I I learned how to keep things in a notebook you know and I can go back to notebooks when you know when Bill Orangeberger was we were installing the three four defense which he invented and all those things I kept notes on all this I, I don't know why I just do and and David is kind of the, so he goes all the way back then he is a guy that is well respected and good friends of Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells tried to hire tried to hire him several times to come to the NFL. He never wanted to. He loved what he was doing in college. So he's had plenty of opportunities to go and he's he's done some work with Parcells. When when Cut had a little bit of a heart condition and he was kind of sitting out, he would go in and Parcells was still a, a you know involved in football then. Um, he would have Cut come in and, and do some things and help him and do some consulting. So he's he's a well-respected guy around the football business for years and years. Some other stories that we need to touch on here on this episode. Florida cornerback uh, Brian Edwards charged with misdemeanor battery. And this is the second Florida player. Yeah to land in some trouble, in some hot water in the past week. Freshman quarterback uh, Jalen Jones was charged or accused of sexual battery last month, but the complaint was withdrawn. What exactly is the situation with Edwards, who was released from jail, and what's his playing status going to be? Well, playing status is, you know, up in the air. Um, obviously they're doing their due diligence on what happened and all the circumstances, but it is always difficult news to hear. And this is a, you know, from a, certainly from a football standpoint, this is a very good secondary that they have. Uh, but you know, you start to go down a couple of guys. Um, I mean, they've got, Brian is not a starter. He's behind CJ Henderson and Dean. And I think he's the third guy and, and Jones is a little bit further down, but you know, this, this kind of, you know, peeks into their depth a little bit and kind of prods into their depth. And we're going to have to see how this plays out. Both are good players, Jones and Edwards, that mm-hmm. can be a real big part of the rotation. But I think we're going to know something here in the next, well, it'll probably be in the next few weeks because I'm sure it's going to go into the the judicial system where yeah. we're going to find out more. And then it usually takes a little time, but we'll start to follow the trends of what his status is. And the only the only thing we're going to really be able to tie anything to this is whether he reports into the fall practice. Yeah, Jones left the program and now I guess mm-hmm. we're waiting to see what happens with Edwards. I want to talk yes. transfer stuff, Chris. There's a lot of transfer news going on, uh, transfers that are already completed and transfers that are still up in the air. As for the completed transfers, Rutgers gets Texas Tech transfer quarterback McLean Carter. Now, Chris Ash didn't say that uh, Art Sitkowski is going to be the starting quarterback for Rutgers, but he also didn't 
they didn't really know if McLean Carter was going to be coming and, and, the, and the transfer was going to be official. Now that they get this kid who was the starter at the beginning, beginning of the year last year mm-hmm. for Texas Tech. People forget he was the scheduled starter when the season began. Is this kid taking over for the Scarlet Knights? Well, I think he could compete, and I think eventually he could. I don't know at the beginning. He's an athletic guy. He's a dual-threat guy. I don't know that he's, because of the fact that it's so late and he missed spring, that that's going to be an issue, I think, with him being able to pick things up quickly. So I don't know that I would make him the favorite to win it to start, but I think that it is certainly not a position that's deeply rooted. Nope. And so we're, we're I think this is up for grab and grabs. And I think fall practice and is in scrimmages and fall is going to determine who gets to start. Yeah. And look, Rutgers, let's call it for what it is. Chris Rutgers is not exactly knocking down the doors here. They, they need a playmaker to kind of draw some, draw some attention to that program. And if McLean can be that kid, then certainly it's worth it to put him on the field and, and draw a little pizzazz, to the team that's going to struggle in the Big Ten once again this year. And and speaking of Big Ten transfers, Penn State quarterback Tommy Stevens. This kid's meeting with everybody. He's going on a little recruiting tour. Yeah, he did. You know, obviously went to Miami of Ohio uh, and Illinois the end of last week and and this past weekend. Uh, He's going to go visit Mississippi State, as we all thought he would, as the head coach Joe Moorhead Mm -hmm. was the offense coordinator at Penn State. But uh, Kentucky is very interested and making a strong push for him. So um, they lost Gunnar Hulk, who uh, transferred uh, out of there. So they're really looking at uh, some options there in uh, in Lexington. So uh, if, if you look at Tommy, he's certainly a, a kid that's from uh, Indianapolis and mm-hmm. a guy that uh, would have an interest in maybe going to Kentucky. But I think Mississippi State's still the favorite. But it's a good dual-threat guy, good athlete, three-star guy coming out of high school. But He's an older really, kid, too, which he is know, a little bit older. He's about 24. Yeah. yeah, you know, so uh, I, think, I think it'll likely come down. My guess is it'll likely come down to Kentucky and Mississippi State, uh, although Illinois feels like they've got a pretty decent shot. A story I wanted to touch on, and I know it's a a somber note here, but it's worth mentioning um, a 14-year-old recruit was gunned down and his future over before it even started. Chris, uh, tell us about this story. Yeah, it's really, really awful. Jalen McKenzie is a 14-year-old kid, freshman in high school, that has already been offered by Illinois and Missouri uh, and was going to be a big-time player. I mean, he was featured in, I think, some of the big – I think Sports Illustrated had a feature on him uh, as one of the names-to-remember type of kid. Just just really a, a outstanding young player. Um but just tragically in the senseless murders that we seem to have uh, continued to to face us here in this country, um, a senseless issue. We were talking off the air. Um, uh, you know, we had the, the situation, oh, Benji, yep. Ben Wilson, um, Chicago in the late 80s. People may have seen that story. This kind of reminded me of that. But this this kid was a little bit younger. If I can remember, Ben Wilson was about two years old. I think he was maybe 17 at the time. This young man, she's 14. Tragic situation. I hate to even talk about what his football skills were, but they were so good. He was reminded 
uh, a lot of the coaches that have seen him. And I looked at some clips on him, not a lot, um, but he, Adoree Jackson was mm. one of was his, uh, his idol and went to USC. USC was another school that was interested in in, um, in Adoree's course uh, in the NFL uh, with the Titans. But this kid was a running back. He played receiver. He was a corner. He was just really, really athletic. So tragically, we lose a young man like that way too early. Uh, and that's been a problem. And of course, in the St. Louis area, Belleville, Illinois, and uh, more in the St. Louis area than the Chicago area, but uh, they've had a lot of problems there, obviously, with gun violence. Yeah, killed at a prom party. Offers He had offers from Missouri and Illinois, so, uh, you know, our thoughts and our prayers go out to um, to his family, and that's just, just a terrible story. Uh, moving on, Chris, and I know it's tough to move on after mentioning a sad story like that, but Clemson adds a top 50 recruit for the 2020 class, quarterback DJ Oagalele, and this leads us into our Scouts Eye segment, Chris, who is quarterback DJ Oagalele? Well, he's from Bellflower, California, St. John Bosco High School, and he's a very impressive uh, young-looking prospect. He's really tall, kind of wiry-looking, but he's got a gun for an arm. I mean, he can really whip it. He would. Uh, he is a Major League Baseball prospect, I understand. I don't know how interested he is in pursuing it, but he's got what I would call that baseball arm, that whip, that ability to, to snap it. Uh, he's got a really big frame, and he looks lean because of that big frame. Uh, but he shows really good accuracy and touch on the field that I've seen him. I mean, he can throw it short, the screen pass. It can show the the, the deep route uh, accuracy. He can show the, the middle route accuracy. Um, he's got good mobility to extend plays, can buy time. And he's got really good natural leadership skills on the high school level, really good teammate. And uh, just got to improve a little bit in his read progressions, but gosh, he's so young. And this is, uh, listen, he is without question of the class of 2020, the best looking quarterback prospect in the country. Last week, we talked about the top running back yes. <laughs> uh, quarter, in the country going to Clemson and, and Demarcus Bowman. So, yeah, they're, 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 let's just say they're off to a really good start in, uh, uh, of the 2020 recruiting class uh, in, uh, at Clemson. Well, what's the impact that it's going to have for Trevor Lawrence? Because Trevor Lawrence, by the, when this kid gets into school, he'll be a freshman. Trevor Lawrence will be in his third and likely final year before he goes into the NFL, uh, you know, unless something un, you know, unforeseen happens. But what's going to be the impact there is this kid, could he develop into a player that at that point could be the Trevor Lawrence to, you know, what Trevor Lawrence was, uh, you know, coming into Clemson as a freshman or. Well, that's, that's the plan. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think there's any <laughs> doubt that that's, that's the plan. And, and that's part of. So Trevor Lawrence know, becomes Kelly Bryant and, and DJ Ugalele becomes Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, you, you look at their roster and you look at the quarterbacks that they have. I, I think I'd be really interested in, in seeing, you know, a, a guy, they've got two freshmen that, are not nearly as good. Chase Bryce and Ben Batson mm-hmm. are intriguing players, but you know, I, I think that the the plan is Trevor obviously is going to be at Clemson for two more years. He has to because he was a true freshman last year. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, DJ is going to be in there in the class of 2020, and uh, it'll it'll be his opportunity to come along. Now, I expect that class of 2021. They'll have another guy, and I know they're already on it, Mm -hmm. of looking at a guy in that area. But I think the issue is going to be, you know, going forward for Clemson and any big-time program is, 
look, you can do one of two things. You can stagger your recruiting, you know, to where you can get this guy and kind of say, look, you're the guy to replace the guy. And this is what they're doing now. Or, you know, you can recruit one of those elite guys every year and then expect that whoever doesn't win the job is going to move on and you're going to have to fill it in with somebody. But there's no question that this guy has got the physical gifts that would, would suggest to you that he can be really good. Now, is he going to have the presence that Trevor Lawrence had when he was, and I can remember going uh, to, to Clemson that spring when he was an early enrollee, Trevor Lawrence that is, and he was ahead of the game. Uh, is this kid going to be able to do it? Well, I don't know. I haven't, haven't seen him and haven't spent time with him up close to know that. But that is the plan that he is going to be the Trevor, the next Trevor Lawrence um, for Clemson. And I'm reading his baseball reports. Apparently he throws a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I so. would expect that because I'm going to tell you something. And, and they do some of these goofy drills at these seven-on-sevens. Yep. but. He does the. He has won the long distance. Yeah. I mean, eighty yards <laughs> without much difficulty. I mean, he's just got again that flippy arm. I mean, when he fills out his body, he's going to be something because he's just more of a lanky, tall drink of water that, you know, starting to put on his frame. But but he can whip that arm, and I could I could see ninety five miles an hour all day with him with his fastball. Well, the rich get richer. Clemson is likely going to have the top class of twenty twenty when you talk about what is it now eight top 50 ranked recruits that have committed to go play the Tigers. What is it about Dabo? What is it about Clemson? And what is it about the players that they're bringing in that is going to lead them to have the top class of 2020? Well, they've got a staff of good recruiters. They've been very successful developing players uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, they had receivers that have had success. They've had, um, you know, not a lot of running uh, running backs and offensive linemen. There have been some. The defensive linemen have been off the charts. You've got a number of guys in the secondary. So it, it all, both sides of the ball on all three levels, they've had very productive players that have gone on to play pro football. They're competing for titles every year, and they're, they're selling that. Look, uh, this is the place to be. We are the kings of the ACC. You come here, you pretty much, you know, can sell you the fact that you're going to go to the national playoffs and you're going to compete for a national championship and you're going to play pro football. And it's a it's a fun atmosphere that I think everybody is excited to be a part of. And they do sell the fun. See, that's the thing that they try to sell when they're up against, say, in Alabama, is they say, yeah, you're going to have more fun here. And yeah. whether that's true or not is doesn't matter, but that's what they're selling. Pizza party. For Dabo and everybody. Uh, now, you mentioned NFL talent, Chris. And I think a lot of people understand this. The, the top schools, the top programs are going to generate the most talent. I mean, we saw how many kids from Alabama were drafted. We saw how many kids from Clemson. Just look at the first round. Just look at the defensive linemen that were drafted from Clemson uh, early in the first round in the NFL draft. But you actually have some notes on the best college programs developing NFL talent directly correlated to their recruiting rankings. So we talk about Alabama being the number one class in the country. Well, it relates to how many players they have drafted. If Clemson's going to be the top class in 2020, it's going to relate to how many guys they're going to have drafted. Correct. And those are the best because they get the best players. They also develop them well. And you can throw the Oklahoma's, the Ohio State's, you, you know the drill there. But, you know, the, the programs that don't get ranked high in recruiting, but that consistently produce so if in the vernacular that people like to use, getting two stars, maybe three stars, and they're turning out pro prospects left and right. Who's the best? 
Well, I, I tell you, Utah has turned out to be the best. They have the best percentage of players that have, you know, been lowly recruit, uh, lower recruited, but have been developed into pro prospects. Some of it is on special teams, punters and kickers. Uh-huh. Boston College, you know, there's good for an offensive lineman or two every year coming out of there. <laughs> They're not recruiting Johnny Five Star offensive lineman. Iowa, two tight ends. In, in the in the top oh, ten, yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, they, they do this it's all the time. It's becoming tight end. You. Get, it's becoming tight end. You when you look at the guys yeah, in the no, past. No too. question, no question. They don't get the five star guys. Uh, a, a school that's done a very good job the past few years is North Carolina State. Um, done a very good job producing players. Uh, a lot of them have gone high, and you know, people may sometimes criticize and say, "Well, why can't they make more inroads in the ACC?" Because they're they're quite frankly getting you know, quite a bit of talent, but they're developing well. We all know Wisconsin has done a good job year in, year, year in and year out. Now, they'll get an occasional four-star running back, but they normally develop their offensive linemen. They take a J.J. Watt, a former walk-on, and develop them. They've done a really good job. Colorado's done a very good job, and obviously Mike McIntyre didn't win enough games, lost his job. He's now the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, but did a really good job developing some pretty good players there at Colorado, Washington. Um, Chris Peterson, we know the job that he does, um, probably needs to get even a little bit better recruiting ranking to compete when they do get in the national playoffs against the like of an Alabama or a Clemson. But there's no doubt that he continues to develop players very well. Look at Washington's teams, their entire secondary, their defense. They teach tackling as good as anybody. I mean, they're just loaded. They're really good. Miami, boy, I, I never thought I would have said this because Miami was the Clemson and exactly. the and the Alabama yeah. today. The they they were putting in like you know, you know, eighteen guys getting drafted in the class, and they were getting the best talent. Well, Miami's not getting those type of talent that that the talent level that they normally do, but they're they're producing some good players. Many of them that are not as highly recruited. TCU has also done a very good job. So those are some programs. Now again. Florida and Oklahoma, also big-time programs that are a lot of getting a lot of guys that weren't very highly recruited, but are developing them pretty nicely too. So that that is a nod to the potential there at both of those places that can recruit very well and do recruit well, but they're also developing well with players that are not heavily recruited that, that, that are becoming good pro players. So that is a sign that those – let's watch out and see. We know Oklahoma's made a run, but can Florida begin to catch Georgia? Because that's – development-wise, I think Florida will match what Georgia's doing. But recruiting-wise, that's the real question going forward. Let's stick with the NFL theme here as it relates to the college football programs and specifically the college football players, which brings us to the coach's corner. There's the potential, Chris, for next year's NFL draft – to potentially be one of the best quarterback classes that we've had in recent years. Because you're talking about the the prospects of Tua, Jake Fromm, Justin Herbert, and others. This is what guys were talking about when saying, should you reach for a, a quarterback in this year's draft knowing what's coming a year down the pike? When you look at these players and you look at who's going to be eligible for the NFL draft next year, it is an, it's, it's a who's who of talent in college football. Well, I think it has the potential to be really good. Uh, I would say this, though, um, and this is a byproduct of the fact that they're all coming out early now. I mean, I, 
the majority of uh-huh. my scouting career uh-huh. was about guys that would occasionally come out as quarterbacks early, but mostly played to their senior year. Now, nobody does. And, you know, really what I wonder about Tua is, does he have the body to stay healthy? And, and does he do a better job of not going for the big play in the check down? To me, the whole he's a lock to be number one, he's the next Steve Young is a little bit overhyped. I think he has ability, but I, the ways to go. I well, then think, again, Chris, we just saw Kyler Murray go number one, so uh, anything. Well, possible. yeah, there's no question about that. But uh, you know, I the Cardinals took him because of Cliff Kingsbury. Uh-huh. I, I don't think he goes number one without him. And, and and again, I'm not saying that Tua won't go one. What I'm saying is, I, I don't know that that this stage. I think with another year, I think he'll probably earn. The accolades he's getting, I think it's a little bit overplayed I, because he he hasn't played enough football yet. When you think about it, I mean, yeah, he never plays the fourth. He never plays the fourth quarters. <laughs> well, he played. He's played one year. I mean, he played basically the year before he won the national championship game. But you know, a lot of it is you know to me how he develops. Uh, I, I think again, he doesn't have the ideal body type, but but it doesn't mean he's not that good. He is. But he hasn't – he's not polished. He's not developed. Fromm is still a young guy and I think has got some polish. Now, Justin Herbert, really Love physically him. gifted. Yeah. He's got to do a better job of making good decisions and improving his accuracy. But he's got the tw- he's got the arm that NFL coaches want to and see. The, and the size. Yes, and the because size. What, and and but, the, throw that I, the throw that I've seen that everyone always talks about when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks is the throw from the right hash – the 10 yard out to the left sideline and he makes that throw. Yeah. He's got arm talent. There's no question about it, but again, there's a lot more to it than that. And and we've seen a lot of guys with a lot of arm talent that again, so much of it is you'd like guys to have 20 starts. Now half the time, you know, they don't even have 12 or 15. In mm-hmm. fact, if you're looking physically at the guy that may be as gifted as anybody, that, that coming out that could come out next year, which I don't think he should come out next year, but it would be Jacob Eason, who's going to be a Washington. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's a transfer from Georgia. This kid is physically. Remember, before Fromm beat him out, he made some plays. Had the injury, Fromm came in, so all of a sudden we forget about him. He sat out. Now I think he needs two years, but I think this guy's a pro player and may be as good as any of these guys. But he hasn't done it, so projection and doing it. None of these guys have enough production to this point. But I, I think it has the potential to be good. But I'm going to hold off on how good it is until I evaluate what is the most important thing that needs to be evaluated, and that is their play this year. Do you remember Bill Parcells' uh, seven criterias for a quarterback? I do, it, uh, it was, but uh, they, they're yep. completely yep. It's, it's antiquated uh, now back. a little bit. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's just not relevant anymore mm-hmm. because – they don't stay enough. They exactly. don't play enough games. He wanted to guys to, to start 30 games and win 23 of them. There's not a lot of guys now that start 30 games. There's none of them. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, they're just, there's, I mean, I shouldn't say none. Now, I'm going to give you another name out there to remember. Utah State's Jordan Love. This is a guy that, that it, to me, has some ability, and we'll see how he develops. But, no, listen, I'm with Bill, and that's what we always use. But that has to be modified by today that, 
kids are not staying in school. They're transferring, and then they're coming out early, and you're getting 15 starts out of them. And, again, that's why I say I want 20 because 30 is – Mm. I, I wouldn't. You would never draft a quarterback if you get thirty starts because none of these guys are going to have it, or or very very rarely yeah, will you I, have I it. Thinking, I mean, that's. I was thinking. You know, I, 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 was, I was trying to think. I think they said the only guy that had it this year out of the quarterbacks was Brett Rippin from Boise State. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And he he's a, a guy that would he not come senior. out early he, because yeah. he wasn't a high pick. Yep, he was a senior because uh, Parcells wanted you to be a three year starter, be a senior, graduate. Start 30 games, win 23, have a 2-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio, and complete 60% of your passes. Yeah, and the 2-to-1 is still valuable in completing their passes. Now, I've always contended with them that I'm not worried about the the completion percentage is is the accuracy percentage because Uh I think completion percentage is a composite of what the offense does, and it is a byproduct, too, of you can't use completion percentage, and, and of course, he knows this, but... You know, that was with an understanding that you're throwing pro-style routes. With all these spread systems, mm-hmm, with all these mm-hmm. tunnel screens, where people got 70% completion <laughs> percentage yeah, you're right, you're because right. they're not doing anything. So you've, you've, it, it's a great tool, but it's, it's really not useful in today's game. You have to look at it a little bit differently. Break down tape and say when he does throw it downfield, what's his accuracy percentage throwing by route? And that can really determine where the guy's strengths and weaknesses are. And you got to live with the fact that they're all major projects and they're not going to have the type of production level that they had before. If it's not going to be a quarterback as the top overall pick next year's draft, who's the one player that college football fans can get excited about and pay attention to as real number one overall pick potential next year? No, it's maybe it'll be a repeat of this past year. How about Chase Young of Ohio State? He's the next Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy that could that could absolutely go number one. Again, I think, you know, he's probably going to be usurped by a quarterback. But I think he's absolutely uh, on the same level as Nick Bosa and does the same thing. Jerry Judy's going to be an explosive receiver yeah. that's going to come out. Phenomenal. C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma is going to be outstanding. What about Derek, uh, yeah, what Derek about, Brown I was about, of yeah, Auburn? You stole him from Derek, me. I was about to say, what about go. Derek Brown? Derek Brown of Auburn is, is a long, strong, impact defensive tackle that can get upfield. Like a that Queen can and push Williams? the bucket. Um, he is definitely uh, a, not quite as explosive as Quinny Williams, but he's longer and stronger than Quinnen. So he's a little bit different build, but he's absolutely uh, a hoss there. I mean, he's he's a guy that would have, in my opinion, still gone in the first round this past year had he come out, um, despite the fact that, that we had tons of defensive linemen. He'll lead the group next year. Along Roquan Davis of Alabama, defensive end is going to mm-hmm. be outstanding. Clemson's got an outside backer in Isaiah Simmons. And T. Higgins, who we talked about, um, we know he's got a famous dad uh, in T. Martin, but uh, he's got dealing with some injuries. So it's really good. Those, those guys kind of jump out to me as the key guys that will challenge. Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU, will will kind of go in that uh, in that Jamal Williams, um, um, uh, you know, uh, Jamal Adams type of, uh, you know, uh, realm where he's going to be picked probably in the top 10 next year. So uh, I think those are the guys that jump out. 
because uh, it'll normally be a quarterback or normally be a pass rusher or a guy that can move the field uh, in the passing game. Scott Seidenberg here with Chris Landry. It's Rush the Field College Football Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Landry Football and at Scott on Air. And you got to check out LandryFootball.com because, Chris, you're just giving things away here. Scouting season, no better place to be with one of the greatest discounts you can ever get. Learn what NFL teams and college programs already know by joining LandryFootball.com. The draft is over, so you get all the evaluations on the teams, college recruiting, which we mentioned here today about the 2020 class, coaching moves, roster analysis on both college and the NFL, the latest inside scoop on both games, plus new episodes of all podcasts available. Just click the podcast link on LandryFootball.com. And Chris, the War Room newsletter, which is my favorite email to open up every week. Absolutely. And we are really focusing a lot from the for our college fans breakdown of these college rosters so we're going school by school and we break down the complete roster we'll give scouting reports on all these players underclassmen uh, players coming into the class this year that might have an impact uh, we break down all the recruiting classes this past year but the, all of these players breaking down the rosters grading the players telling you what they mean what the grades mean that is and tell you tell you who to look forward to so it's no better way to get ready for the football season than to dig deep down into each and every one of these teams uh, inside the film room as we break down your favorite school and others at LandryFootball.com. And again, on Twitter, at LandryFootball, at Scott's On Air. Rush the Field with me, Scott Seidenberg, and Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. This is a dark to light with Frankenbeans Quick Fix on Radio Influence. You're seeing people abandon the one thing that makes a nation free, and that is the ability to emote and actually put your ideas out. If you don't have free speech, you don't have freedom because you don't. You will actually then destroy your own ability to learn something new by being able to get some feedback. You won't. I mean, you free speech is everything. Yep, is everything. There is nothing that comes before it. Or else we're not free or else then you, you everybody is just living with the thoughts and the status quo opinions that are now assigned to us instead of being free to test new boundaries and see what works out, what doesn't to temper what were, were old beliefs to fertilize the ground for new beliefs. It's everything. And to see that we are doing or we're, we're at least witnessing people who are in very high influential places that are doing everything they can to make sure that that ground is made barren is beyond depressing. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. Influence.com.